Welcome back, everybody, to the Voices for Vlogging podcast. As always, I'm Steve Lee in Honolulu, and over in LA is Royce Hamano. You can find us on the Podbean app or Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Voices for Blogging. Today, we have a guest, a repeat guest. Royce, we brought, okay. in, we, brought in your, uh, we brought in your business partner again, Ken Ye. Yeah. You want to bring him in? Good to have you, Ken. Oh, I'm glad to be here again. Thanks for inviting me you're, back. You're our first repeat guest. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank Special, you. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and our first guest. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And only guest. Very and cool. We, we might need to look into that, Royce. Maybe it's time to bring some diversity in here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, three Asian guys right now. <laughs> Perfect. Diversity. Well, I mean, today we wanted to bring you on, Ken, because it, you know it's been pretty tumultuous in, in both the stock, the bond, and the crypto market. And, you know, last time you were on the show, we, we had a lot of conversation about all those things and kind of how to read the tea leaves a little bit, what's going on. I mean, for those of you that haven't been watching it too close, the stock market's been pretty rough for the last week or so. People are a little concerned about interest rates going up. The color on that, though, is it's still historically very low when you have the 30-year mortgage that still hovers in that 3% level right now. And you're right. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, we saw it during the pandemic. We see what everything else in the media. Powell makes a little bit of a comment that, you know, inflation might go up a little bit as we open. Well, no kidding. Yeah, sure. A little bit. But, you know, the, the headlines make it sound like, oh, my God, it's going to be a runaway train and we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Well, I think the people were expecting basically that, you know, Powell to come out and say, hey, you know, we're going to do something to manage interest rates going up. Right. But it didn't meet everyone's expectations and people people panicked and and ran for the hills. Right. At least today. Yeah. I feel like it's just an excuse to kind of do some profit taking, to be quite honest, more than anything else. You know, it's just kind of one of those things and rotate into reopening stocks in the stock market, which we've seen in the last which we've seen in the last two weeks, you know, tech's tech's taking it hard. Tech's getting hit pretty hard shortage of semiconductors and all these other things, huge comps. Like, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how earnings season is going to be for tech. You know, the rest of 2021, they have some big comp, you know, some big comps to kind of big shoes to fill for the money they made last year. Yeah. And look what happened with Zoom. Zoom showed great numbers and the stock just plummeted. I mean, I don't know what's next for Zoom. I mean, here we are, we're, rec- we're recording on a Zoom platform, but where does this, where does the company go from here? You know, those are kind of be the questions that kind of come up. I think that's a big question. I mean, a lot of their revenue, I think, during the last year has obviously been become because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. once that's over, you know, are people really going to be working from home all the time? Look, I, I'm not I'm not as certain as some people are. But I don't know if you followed, actually. Ken, have you been watching Rocket Mortgage? I have. I have. Have you the seen whole, it uh, yeah. yesterday? Yes, I did. It, plummeted, <laughs> it skyrocketed and then it plummeted. <laughs> It's kind yeah. of stock, yeah. It's it a did a, stock, it did a GameStop. I heard that there were yeah. some people pushing that on Wall Street bets because the, the number of shorts on that were, I guess, were pretty high, right? Yeah, it's an, it, you know, I think I agree with both of you, kind of your assessments of the market. Um, you know, I, I always look at the stock market as a giant pendulum, right? So when things are bad, they're really bad, and when things are good, they're really good. You know, when it swings, it usually swings way past the middle, right? It swings way past where it should swing one way or the other, right? And I think you're seeing a little bit of that on the negative side now because, you know, interest rates, everyone knows inflation is coming. Everyone knows that prices are going to increase. They just don't know how much and for how long, right? And that's really the the question is, you know, is this inflation that we're going to see going to be sustained or is it just going to be kind of a, you know, kind of a blip on the radar? You know, Powell obviously thinks it's going to be a blip and they're going to go back down to, you know, like be pandemic levels at some point. 
because you know once the pent up demand over, prices will normalize. That's that's what he's saying, right? And and that's why he's telling people don't panic. We don't need to overreact. Don't be so react. Don't be so reactive. Try to be more think longer term, right? And that's kind of what he's telling people to do. And and I think on the on the on the other side of it is you know the the people like these the stocks that are kind of reacting to the reopening trade, right? Because we all know that's happening. You're seeing like a lot of movement from tech to you know like reopening stocks like airlines, casinos, and things like that. So those stocks are doing quite well actually. I mean they're not doing well because everything's getting smashed, but they're doing better comparatively than the tech stocks, which are getting smashed right now. Tech like stocks Zoom, are getting killed, yeah. Getting killed. Um, but I think, like I said, I think it's it's going to swing back. You know, it's a pendulum. It's going to swing back. What's going to be the next big thing that the market's going to react to, right? And I think that's going to be, in my opinion, the stimulus, right? The stimulus is the next thing that's on the horizon that everyone is, it's going to affect the markets because it's real money being put in people's hands that are probably going to go into the stock market or the crypto markets. There's not much you can do with money right now except to gamble it, you know, stocks and cryptos because you can't really go out and travel yet. Uh, I mean, things are opening up, but that doesn't mean you're traveling. doesn't mean you're not taking precautions. And that doesn't mean that the virus is still out there. I mean, the majority of the population is still not vaccinated. It's going to be like this for a while. So when the stimulus checks get into people's hands, I think we're going to see a lot more buying, just retail buying. The retail participation will, will go up. And, and the interesting thing I, I also see is like the institutions kind of follow the retail trades now. They kind of go along with the retails. Uh, they used to lead. And I feel like they're following these days, you know, a lot of these big institutions. Like when you look at like GameStop, for example, right? Like the retail drive, the retail buyers bought that stock up, you know, like people on Wall Street bets were buying it up. And then the institutions piled in. Yeah. Right. They piled in after. They didn't start this short squeeze. They piled into it and made a lot of money. And then and then they exited. And I think you're seeing a lot of that as well. You're seeing a lot of retail people kind of kind of be, you know, they're the ones leading some of these trades, some of these trends. And you're seeing kind of Wall Street, you know, those big institutions in the in the big, you know, banks and stuff, they're they're like following the trades and playing the momentum. So I, I don't know what I'm seeing after the stimulus checks are kind of in place, but that's kind of what I see in the short to medium term. Yeah, in the short term, I mean, every time we have these stimulus or, I mean, we've seen this a few different times with the crises, different crises we've had in the last couple of decades, before before the legislation sh- truly gets passed, you know, there, there's always a, a market tantrum that happens when politicians start playing their games and start making it look like we're not going to get it, you know, and somebody pounds the table and says something outlandish, the market goes crazy for one day. And every time that's happened, it's turned out to be a buying opportunity. And, and, and so many times, you know, you, you watch these times and when, when the market feels this way, just like how the crypto market felt, you know, about a week and a half ago. At some point in time, you kind of look at this and say, where do you put your foot back in? Because like you said, when this free capital comes to people's hands, it's probably just going to enter the capital market. Because what else are you going to do with it unless you're going to buy a house? You know, because there's so many people, there's definitely people that really need this money. And if, you know, when they get it, you know, use it for what they need. But there's there's also a bunch of people that are going to get it. They don't need it. Yeah. I mean, it's you're, you're talking about $1,400. Per person and child, time, right? Exactly. Before exactly. it's it was twelve hundred per, per per adult and five hundred per child. Now it's fourteen hundred per adult and fourteen hundred per child. So a family of five is getting like seven grand, you yeah. know. Whereas a family of five before were, you know, what what is that? Uh, twenty four plus fifteen, like you know, getting four grand, right? So mm-hmm. you know, you're getting a lot more money this time, and that money is yep. going in. It's some of it's going to the market, whether 100%. it's the crypto or the stock market. So one hundred percent. 
So I think you're going to see, you know, a rise because of all that money. Because we saw what happened when they gave the $1,200 stimulus checks back in, you know, right. uh, last year around this time, right? And, and Or a little past this time. But yeah, I mean, last year they did that and, and the markets exploded higher. You're going to see a similar effect here. People aren't going to save it. You're not earning any interest in the stock market. I mean, in the, in the you know, banks, you're not giving you any interest right now. So where, you, where do you put it? Unless you need that money, you are putting it into the market, right? Yep. And we're going to see a lot. I think we're going to see markets keep going up after the stimulus has passed. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting because like, you know, where does the market go from there? That's a, that's more interesting questions. Like once that stimulus, stimulus money is gone, where do people put their money? Did they, when did they start cashing out? Right. Well, you know, the next earnings season, to be quite honest, because the, the, the tech stocks have no chance. There's no way. There's no way they're going to continue to show the growth they showed last year, especially on the hardware side and the companies that were behind PCs. You know, we're not going to see that same bump in sales. And I don't think we're going to see continued growth in, in, in that category. And, and you're going to see a lot of companies like the Zooms, you know, that are very pandemic specific. I mean, where's, yeah. where's the innovation now in this space? But one of the things that Royce and I talked about then we want to get your opinion on is, you know, now that we see a lot more Wall Street institutions in crypto, you kind of see this dynamic where the crypto market and the stock market are kind of hand in hand now. They, you know, with the bigger institutions into this thing, you know, they're starting to help move some of the markets in the crypto side also. What do you think? I about totally that? agree with that. I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, when you see markets do like the stock market go, markets go up, you also see the crypto markets go up. Right. Um, they used to be kind of decoupled, but I don't. 100%. I, yeah. Now it's very much, um, you know, um, the, the one interesting thing I, I, I want to point out kind of, you know, along those lines is, you know, we used to, we talked about the, the Grayscale coin fund and the Grayscale Ethereum fund. Yep. And yep. Uh, I think the last couple of days, there used to be, you know, prior to that, there used to be a premium. So you're paying a little bit more money uh, mm-hmm. to get, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of the net asset value, mm-hmm. you're getting a better, you know, you're, you're, you're paying a little bit more to buy those stocks versus mm-hmm. the underlying asset values. But that's mm-hmm. turned negative the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's yes. really interesting um, because yes. if you buy a GPTC today, you're getting it at a discount if you buy it yes, through the fund versus yes, you if you're are. buying it directly at an exchange. So, right. you know, now, unfortunately, there's no way to, to, to do arbitrage on that. Because nope. you can't actually take the money, like Grayscale doesn't allow you to take to redeem your bitcoins out of the GPTC fund. No. So no. you know you're kind of stuck with <clears throat> the stock. But if they ever allow that, then you'll you know there you, you'll see more of a the gap will definitely narrow. Yeah. And um, it's just interesting to see that because like kind of to your point, how the the markets are kind of affecting the crypto markets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely you can see that right. You can see mm-hmm. uh, people are dumping their stocks. But mm-hmm. what happens to cryptos? You know, like now, you know, now you got a negative premium on mm-hmm. these, uh, these, you know, grayscale funds, and it's right. never happened before. I don't, never. I can't remember it ever they happened. Tur- they turned down at the same time. Today, the market turned down exactly at the same time in both the crypto market and the stock market. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, I think I think if you you want to bet on BTC and F, it's a good time if you want to buy buy an ETF to buy like a grayscale, the GBTC or FE right now yeah right uh yeah it's gonna be interesting you know the i think with the institutions being in now kind of like you were saying it definitely follows the market more monday to friday where it's interesting to me is on the weekend when there's very little liquidity but it's not really institutions that are doing the trading then like moving Mm -hmm. the market then is kind of more like like retail sentiment right that's that's kind of interesting 
but I think, I think that's the result of crypto just being a 24 seven trade and not Monday through Friday. Right. Like, right. And it's yeah. more, it's more accessible and people are getting more comfortable with the ideas uh, about it. You start to hear it more, you, you know, you, you sniff around, it's in the newspaper, federal government trying to figure out what to do with it. People are making comments about it. And like that, that article, that, or the report that came out a couple of days ago about the U S thinking making their own digitized dollar. I'm like, that's exactly opposite of what crypto is about. So it probably doesn't affect the Bitcoin the Ethereum market, but that's, that's mainstream still trying to figure out what's going on, what to make, you know, two craps about what this market's about. We have so many digitized dollars already. <laughs> like, I don't think we need another one, but I, I can get, I get why they would want to do that. Sure. And it's, it's a control. It's about control. It's all about controlling right. yeah, money. Sure. Yeah. Right. But um, it's been fun. It's been interesting. Uh, Rice, have you, are you kind of still in that uh, Ethereum trade where you, when you kind of went to a lot of cash in the last couple of weeks, uh, and then you started buying back a little bit last week. How's that trade going for you? Uh, it well, it was a lot better like <laughs> two hours ago. About a, yeah, about an hour, right? About an hour ago before it, before it went down. <laughs> back when it was fighting above sixteen, it was great. It was a great trade. Right. Now it's not as great, but it, it's still it's still okay. Um, you know, Royce. The funny thing is, like the last time I was on the show, you know, I think Ethereum was was. $300, $400? What was it? It was pretty low, right? It I mean, was, relative yeah. to where it is now. Yeah. It was um, probably it was probably at the 600 level. I might would be my guess around the, yeah. yeah, it was probably around there. Cuz so, it, so, it was our fifth it was our fifth podcast, I believe. Or was it our so, fifth. So the reason why you're on the show now though is to have the exact same effect that you did last time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're counting on you. I man. Wish, we're counting on you. <laughs> I wish I were that powerful and I could do that, but uh yeah, but thanks for the vote of confidence there. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tripled, right? It's basically almost tripled since uh, since my la the last time I was on the show. And oh my god, uh, I mean I don't take well, any credit right. for that, by the way. But I, I, um, I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take that back. I'm looking at the chart now on my screens. Four thirty five. It's four thirty five. So All right. So, so that's it's that's like, where I that's about where I entered the market. That's right about when my Gemini account kind of allowed me to start buying things, uh, you know, for so the you, first time. You more than tripled your money. Congratulations! Yeah, you know, at one point in time, at one point in time, it was quintupled. I mean, it was fantastic. You know? <laughs> quintupled, that's great. Um, yeah, no, it's because like back then, I think Royce and I were both pretty confident that uh, you know, because yes. at four hundred thirty-five dollars, we both felt like okay, there's there's a lot of room to move up, right? And you know, now here we are, you know, six months later, you know, are do we still feel the same way? And uh, about you know about where Ethereum is going and where it's headed. And and honestly, I, I I still believe that the market hasn't reached its top, and I, I don't know if Royce will agree with me agree with me on that, but I definitely feel like there is still room to move. Um, there's still a lot of institutions that want to get in, mm -hmm. and and I don't think that there's as much retail participation in cryptos as people think. I think the people that recently got into cryptos probably got in through like Robinhood. And maybe mm -hmm. bought some Dogecoin or bought some XRP because Wall Street Bets said, "Hey, buy those coins." But right. they don't really understand cryptos. They don't. They just bought because you know they want to make some money and they think it's going to go up. But they don't really understand what they're buying or what the rationale is for buying it. Like, there's no investment thesis there. They're just following other people, right? Right. And they're following them to a bad trade because Dogecoin's a joke. There's real. There's no real value. It was literally a joke. It, it, it was a joke, but they joke. did it themselves. Yeah, they said it themselves. Account. It was a dog coin. They call it Dogecoin, and it's not a real legitimate coin. It's just 
I, it's just I, a joke yeah. that someone came up with and it got it got people it became a meme and now it's a meme coin and but you know the investment thesis behind bitcoin is totally different and i feel like some of those people hopefully who got introduced to cryptos will understand that as they get more experience and knowledge into the space they'll start putting their money into like the right places in crypto not coins like dogecoin or xrp that's my hope at least so for the new entrance this is kind of like okay you, you got your it's good to get your foot in the door but now that your your foot's in the door it's a lot easier now that you got your coinbase account or your robinhood account to trade cryptos now you're here's you know, your next task is to kind of level up right start understanding other cryptos what they do and then maybe buy some of those right put some of your portfolio into those coins i think that has yet to happen and i think that'll be responsible for the next move up is when some of those people like who recently got in uh, really understand what they're getting into and understand the potential of the of some of these you know new projects and new right. coins that are coming right. out correct well i mean that's that's why royce and i try our best you know in the last few shows to kind of point out the defi market talk about defi a little bit talk about you know stable coins and what role they might play especially with the regulations that pass i mean it's amazing because since the last time you've been on the landscape has changed quite a bit you know it, it, it's such a different i mean there's so much more substance in some ways to the market you know if, if you know if you can sift through some of the bullshit like you know like dogecoin was or is right you know you yeah. know about dogecoin though like i want to say that i read today that i think it was elon musk is pushing to allow like dogecoin to be used for like payments for maybe tesla or something i, I read something like that i don't remember if it was exactly him or it was someone else but right. Cause he's doing it for Bitcoin already. He, he made the announcement. He's going to accept Bitcoin for Tesla's. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's an opportunist, right? So if he can yeah. find a way where he can make a quick buck on somebody, he's going to do it 100%. I mean, some of these things is about community too, right? If there's a community of people that are going to use Dogecoin, go ahead. Well, it can't, well, you know, some of these companies that are getting into Bitcoin, I mean, they're, you know, the thing that I think, and this is just my opinion, the thing is, if you look at every company that has decided to change the direction of a company towards Bitcoin, for example, MicroStrategies and you know, Overstock, uh, you know, Tesla, you know, Square, you know, Circle, PayPal, Pay, and PayPal, PayPal just got into it. Yep. Um, if you look at every single one of those companies, they all benefited from a move to Bitcoin. Every single right. one of those stocks yep. uh, are worth more money now because they decided to allocate or to invest or be, you know, to decide to participate in cryptocurrencies. MicroStrategy is the one, MicroStrategy is the one that sticks out the most. I mean, that stock from when they first started buying Bitcoin to its high, you're talking about a 700 point run. <laughs> the stock was at 300 and it topped out at over a thousand. But think about this, right? If you look at every, if every company that dipped their toes into cryptocurrencies yep. or Bitcoin went up in value, is worth right. more money today than sure. before they did that, don't you think other companies are looking at that and going, wait a minute, shouldn't I be doing that? And, and I think I, that's what I see with a lot of these, like when I, when we talk about institutions getting in, that's yep. what I see, right? There, yep. These other guys who are all like aware of, you know, they understand cryptos, they know what it is, they've seen it, like Visa, MasterCard. I'm sure those guys are all looking at cryptos and going, wait a minute, these guys are all making gazillion dollars from, you know, some, you know, getting the Bitcoin, doesn't matter when they got in, they got in and they're, they're making more money. They're worth more yep. money. Yep. Why Why aren't we in it? Why aren't we putting some percentage of our portfolio into this, right? Because everyone else is making huge bucks here and we're being left out, right? And I think I think a lot of people will will probably, because of the successes of these 
you know, kind of early stage, early companies got into Bitcoin, to cryptocurrencies. Um, these other bigger companies are slower to get in, but I think they will because they're looking at every single person that got in and every single person has benefited, right? I mean, literally every company has benefited. Every single one literally has yeah. become more valuable. And, right. and that is huge. If you, you know, if you're a company, it almost becomes irresponsible for you not to at least pay attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. All your competitors, I mean, we're not all your, but like your competitors are doing this, they're making more money. You know, they're making big bucks, like overstock, completely change the business model, right? And mm-hmm. look where they are now. They're worth, you know, so much more money than when they were just doing retail stuff, right? Right. Um, I think you have to look something outside of having cash because the dollar with inflation is not going to be as valuable, you know, like as something, as another asset. I think the challenge with going in all in or like spending a significant amount and putting it into Bitcoin right now is just that it's so volatile. Um, and I think that's the challenge for these companies. But I think you, I think they're going to have to make that bet. They're going to have to make that bet on, on crypto. I think at some point, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, I think they have to. I mean, they, like I said, all these, all this big money is going in. You know, it's a limited pie, right? Because there's only so much Bitcoin out there in the world um, ever, right? So you've got a, a, a limited amount of pie and everyone has to, if they want a piece of it, it's time to stake your claim, right? And some people have and, you know, have big chunks of it. So I, I think it's just a matter of time. And, and, you know, there's big investors getting into it now. There's like funds getting into it now. You know, you know, there's like, you know, you know, Paul Tudor Jones got into it. I mean, there's, there's big people that are into this, that are not just companies, but also, you know, hedge fund investors. And I don't think this is the top. And that's kind of why I say it is because I think all these other, I look at all these other Fortune 500 companies that could be invested in Bitcoin. They're not. Every single one of these companies could have some percentage of the portfolios in Bitcoin. And they, they're choosing not to right now. And, and it's a domino effect. Yeah. So, you know, actually, that brings up another good point. So, like, uh, you know, a lot of these companies right now are getting into Bitcoin. I think one of the challenges that Ethereum has as far as becoming, you know, one of these investments uh, for these companies or just institutions in general is that the uh, amount of coins outstanding continues to grow every year in Ethereum, whereas in Bitcoin, it's it's well known, right, because there's a hard cap of 21 million. Uh, and I've heard from a, in a number of different places, basically, that, you know, one of the things that is challenging for Ethereum is that, you know, people that want to get into it, there's the supply is a little bit unknown. But I think one of the big things that's going to change that and which is uh, a big push for July, right, is EIP 1559, yeah. where they're going to be basically burning the transaction fee uh, for any Ethereum transaction that should put a deflationary pressure on Ethereum, which is going to help with that. And I think that makes Ethereum a much more attractive investment at that point and maybe enables it to be bought up more by these institutions that are buying Bitcoin now too. I think the transaction fees is also a big part of that, right? Because by, you know, with that, with that EIP 1559, you know, it's going to lower transaction fees for, you know, Ethereum transactions. And I think that's going to make it more usable because right now there's a lot of congestion in the network because of the high fees. Yeah, so it's actually interesting. So not only does it uh, provide uh, basically a base fee that is going to help you get your transaction through and help you understand what you need to pay to reliably get your transaction through, but it actually also allows the block size to grow as well based on demand. Yes, right. Yes, exactly. It's It's, it's very cool. Yeah. I, I hear that the so there's a, there's a there's a hard fork that's coming out in Ethereum in April called Berlin, and I think it's in the middle of April. It's being uh, scheduled. It's already scheduled, so it's already kind of penciled in for April, middle middle of April. So they already have a block height on that block number for for that hard fork. 
but the next hard fork after Berlin is called London. And like you said, Royce, it's going to be in July, probably in July. I don't think they have an actual date yet. But, uh, but EIP 1559 is scheduled tentatively to be in that hard fork. Yeah, and so it has to be in July because of the uh, difficulty bomb. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's very likely it'll be in there's there. going to be a release in July. Just okay, okay. Wait, wait, I got I got to jump in here now. So you guys threw out two things. First of all, there's a hard fork. I mean, I could go so many ways with that. And um, <laughs> and then you said there's a difficulty bomb. Can you at some point find a way to kind of explain that to the audience? What are you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, wait, Royce. I'll take the. How about you? You take the difficulty bomb. I'll take the hard fork. All right. So the hard fork is really just a software upgrade. Um, so there's like, so there's a hard fork and a soft fork, right? A soft fork is a change in the network or change in the software that doesn't require, um, you know, it's, it's backwards compatible, right? So um, you don't have to change your software. Things will still work. So if you have a Ethereum node running, uh, you don't have to do anything. It'll still run. A hard fork is where a software upgrade is required. So if you have a node running on a version that was before the hard fork, it will not be compatible with the new version after the hard fork. So basically you have to upgrade your software to the new, to the new software after the hard fork in order for things to run. And who benefits so, from that? Who benefits from the upgrade? Everyone, the, the network, all the users. I mean, the, the changes that are being proposed are, are beneficial for the, for the entire network. So, right. you know, um, so basically the miners are, you know, they have to switch the mining software to run to, to communicate with the new upgraded nodes. So does that cost them anything? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just, I guess the cost will be just manpower. I mean, they have to probably download the new software and, and run it. Like if you're a miner, you have to probably upgrade your mining software to, uh, to run on the, the hard, you know, the, the new version. Uh, the mm -hmm. same with, uh, you know, if you're running a node, you have to you know, up, upgrade your node to the you know, download the new node software and then run the hard fork, the new version, the forked version. So, you know, the problem, there are dangers with that, of course. With any hard fork, there's always a chance that there's a, you know, a split in the chain. So you could, if half the people decide they don't want to upgrade mm -hmm. and half mm -hmm. the people upgrade, then you've got two chains, right? So th that's where it gets kind of confusing. Um, this actually happened once with Ethereum, right? Right, Royce? Uh, the Ethereum uh, and Ethereum Classic. So yeah. Ethereum Classic forked, or th so there was a fork, uh, and, it, and you know some people chose not to run the upgraded software, and some of them you know did, and so Ethereum continued, and then there was Ethereum Classic. So that's what happened with a kind of a split in the chain. Um, so, so that's happened to, once before. To it's kind of very unlikely. It for me. Is it a buying opportunity for people? Uh, like, no, points. no, I'm, I I don't think the chances of a of a of a chain split is very likely here. I think most people in a community are very on board with the changes that are being made. Mm -hmm. you, have a, you have a contentious fork whenever there's like changes that people don't agree with. So if right. half the people don't agree with the changes that you want to make right. to the network and you fork, then right. you might have a chain split like the Ethereum Classic example, right? But, but if uh, everyone's involved though, is that going to be a buying opportunity for people? Like how, why does that matter to the everyday person? Um, it, the hard fork. So the hard fork matters because it depends on what's in it. Um, so like, I think the Berlin fork is there's some like, quality of life change. I don't know. I don't have an exact list of all the different EIPs that are going into that particular hard fork, but I do know that those are, those have been vetted by the, you know, the Ethereum community and I'm sure they're all, you know, very thoroughly tested. I don't right. think there's going to be a problem with the Berlin fork. It doesn't seem like it from right. all, all the dev calls I listened to. The, the one that's more consequential is going to be the one in July, right? The London mm -hmm. fork where the EIP 1559 comes in. 
because that's a very material change to the way the network operates and the way the fees are structured. That's a, yeah, so, a big change to economics. But yeah. in the end, though, will that lead to an appreciation in the price of the coins? Yes, the I think I think July. I think the one in July will definitely have an impact on the price. I, that's my, my belief, at least. I think the folks that are running Ethereum, like the devs, will tell you that you know they don't control price and they don't. They're not doing it for the price. Basically, they're doing it for the usability of the network. Mm -hmm. But if you have deflationary pressure on the coin, in theory, it should create more value for for the rest of the rest of the coins. So that's mm -hmm. the thinking, at least. Yeah, I think I think the so the Berlin fork that's happening in April might not move the Ethereum markets much. I mean, it might move it a little bit. I mean, it'll probably be, a, I think, a net positive, you know, in terms of the price of Ethereum. But I think the the more like consequential upgrade is going to be the the hard fork in July, and because of like Royce was saying, the the changes in fee structure and the economics of the coin is going to be affected pretty drastically. I think you're going to see you're going to see speculation from people that believe this benefit is going to cause an increase in price. And then you're going to have people who just interact more with the network, right? They're going to, you know, they're going to pay less money uh, to make transactions happen. They're, the, the changes that are being made, I think, with that EIP will decrease inflation, which will, you know, decrease selling pressure from miners, right? Because miners are not going to get as much money anymore. They're probably going to make a, actually, we're, we're mining, Royce and I are mining. And mm -hmm. I know we're anticipating a, a pretty big drop in our mining revenues from EIP 1559, right, mm -hmm. Royce? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it might be somewhere around like 30, 30%, somewhere around that's there. A, that's a lot, right? I mean, it's think about... Yeah, it's a significant amount. But 30% less sell pressure for miners is a very significant amount of sell pressure. It's, inter it's interesting because uh, there was a call talking about you know all of the concerns around EIP 1559. And basically, one of the, one of the things that uh, people are saying as far as pushing through uh, EIP 50 1559 is that the revenue that will be lost by miners with the change uh, is anticipated that some of that will be made up by the increase in uh, MEV for Which like all these DeFi and arbitrage mm -hmm. opportunities, the arbitrage bots mm -hmm. and stuff that are out there, because those are the ones right now that are helping to bid up the price of gas mm -hmm. on these transactions. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, we, I don't think anybody really knows for sure, hundred percent, but right. It's definitely. It's definitely coming. So what was in Ethereum 2.0? Was that a soft fork, hard fork? And do you guys think that that upgrade or that change in Ethereum is partly what's behind the move up in Ethereum? I, I think, think Ethereum, no, I was saying that Ethereum 2.0 is, I mean, it's a completely new, it's not just a fork. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a network upgrade that fundamentally changes Ethereum's consensus protocol from proof of work to proof of stake. There's actually two coins today, right? You've got Ethereum 1.0 coins and you've got Ethereum 2.0 coins. So there's, uh, there's going to be a migration from Ethereum 1 to 2 where Ethereum 1 coins will basically just be a shard on Ethereum 2's network. So that's going to happen. That's called, I think it's going to phase 1.5 that's going to happen where um, they're, the networks are going to kind of merge in a way, in this way. It's a very fundamental change in how things are like, right now it's, you know, blockchain is kind of inefficient, right? Like the way that uh, it does, you know, the, you know, the, the, the way that uh, you know, confirmations are done and the consensus is done, very inefficient. It takes a lot of computing power. Uh, with proof of stake, it's going to be much more efficient. It's not, you know, it's just going to be, uh, it's a totally different algorithm, right? To, to decide consensus and, It'll increase the transactions per second by quite a bit instead of like, you know, I don't know what's Ethereum at, like, is it seven transactions per second or something like that? It's going to be like, you know, orders of magnitude higher. So you're going to have a much more efficient, much faster network once this is done. 
So that's going to improve the overall value, I think, of Ethereum when, whenever that happens. But the problem with that is just it's going to be, it's still, I think it's still a couple of years away. You know, so in the meantime, you've got all this growth in DeFi. DeFi is not going to wait around for, for Ethereum 2.0 to be done. So things like EIP 1559 is extremely important. It's actually more important than even the 2.0 upgrade because it affects us now, right? And it's going to affect us in, in a couple in a few months. So, you know, uh, for, for people who are, you know, if you know, if you've been in the crypto space, you know that time operates a little bit differently in the crypto space. You know, like a day in crypto is like a week in the real world. It's it, things move so quickly. And yeah, things, it's at it's least so four days on Wall Street. One day in trading, <laughs> one day in trading in crypto is four days on Wall Street. So you know, when, when you get when you get a week in crypto, I I joke like that's a month of trading, and it, so, it's it's funny when you look at it that way. Like it totally makes the the moves don't seem as big, even though of course yeah. they feel big. But you know, you put it in perspective, you're like, nah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then that's that's what, like that's why you know, like the you know EIP fifty fifty nine is so much you know so big of a deal right now because it's coming, it's you know months away, not years away, right? And mm-hmm. you know, even though two years doesn't sound like a lot in crypto, that's a that's an eternity, right? That's that's a long time to wait. Yeah, it is. So rice difficulty bomb, man. You you can't just mention something like that and uh, just let it go. <laughs> You know? yeah, definitely. So like it helps to give a little bit of background on the kind of mining and, and you know what we do. So you know, basically every every miner out there uh, is trying to solve like a puzzle, uh, say like a cryptographic puzzle or something. And what happens is that when you solve this puzzle, you get to commit the next block in the blockchain, right? A set of transactions in the block and attached to the blockchain and you get rewarded for that. And so that that's kind of the basics of how mining works. And the protocol can actually adjust the difficulty on that puzzle that it, that these miners are solving so that they can solve blocks quicker or they can solve blocks uh, slower, right? And that kind of basically speeds up or slows down the uh, transactions that are processed, you know, on, on Ethereum. And mm-hmm. so what this difficulty bomb is, is basically that once it gets to a certain block height, uh, which is basically a certain number of blocks in the Ethereum chain, it's mm-hmm. going to ratchet up the difficulty so mm-hmm. that the problem that these miners have to solve is going to be basically you know, close to impossible. Mm-hmm. It's going to slow the chain down so much to solve this problem that you know, you're, you're frozen, basically. Uh, and I think the original reason why they had this in there was because that was uh, a point when they were going to move to proof of stake. Basically, they've had these difficulty bombs and they've been pushing it off every time that we've had them, uh, they've extended it out uh, so that they remove the difficulty bomb and they put it back to the normal difficulty, you know, for another set of like, you know, months and so on and so forth. So uh, the latest one is going to happen uh, in July. And so there needs to be a hard fork to address that before that, because obviously we're not going to be moving to proof of stake in July for Ethereum uh, at this point. So they're going to push it out probably another few months after that too as well. And then, you know, we might go through the same thing again, or eventually at some point, we're going to move to proof of stake. Well, I, I just wanted to make sure we clarify that because, you know, I didn't want, you know, I know we have a, a listener that, you know, listens to this while um, he or she sits on the toilet at night. So I, I didn't want to make it sound like, you know, difficulty bomb was like some kind of, you know, constipation kind of incontinence kind of issue. I, you know, who knows? You know, I just want to make sure that they, uh, they knew. And the other thing is I want to make sure our audience is, is, is still awake after listening to all our mumbo jumbo for the first like, minutes <laughs> that we started with. So on that note, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's have a little fun with uh, some everyday stuff. Can um, Royce and I were talking about this the last time we are on. 
or last couple of times talking on, you know, as vaccinations go up and we're just kind of in this weird sweet spot where there's been so many people that have had had COVID in the last six months and you combine that with people vaccinations, you kind of have this time where infections are down and it kind of makes you feel hopeful that you can get out and get going and do things. What are some things you're looking forward to doing potentially in 2021 if things continue oh. to go this way? Oh, Wow, that's a loaded question, man. Wow. That's why I asked. What are you planning to do? Yeah, I mean, I look, you know, I think it's so hard for me to even envision that because I've been in this lock, we've been in this lockdown for quite a while now. It's like, I, I almost don't want to go there because I don't want to get my hopes up. Maybe that's just the kind of person I am. I, I kind of don't want like, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a pessimist, but, but, you know, I've been in this kind of kind of gloomy cloud over my head for the last year you know That's it's hard for one. me to it's hard for to sure. make any plans I don't want to make any plans I think it's, mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say I don't want to make any plans until I know for sure I can like imagine telling my kids like hey we're going to go to Hawaii towards the end of the year and on a vacation because that's where we're going to go before the pandemic hit and if I told them that and we you know are still like there's a you know god forbid there's a you know another strain of COVID that comes out that evades the you know the vaccine how am I going to explain that to my kids? Right. Like I made all these plans to do things and I can't do them anymore. Or I made all these promises to my, to my kids or to my wife that I can't fulfill. It's even worse than not having that at all. Right. So like, I'd rather just not even like, <laughs> I feel like I'm so, I've become so pessimistic now about it. Um, it is. It's a challenge. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's an absolute challenge. And the only thing you, the only thing that can, can help in those situations, a little perspective and, you know, as of now, the, the vaccine and the variants, you know, it's been an okay thing that, you know, the, the Moderna and Pfizer supposedly are monitoring the thing and can make adjustments because of how they develop the vaccine pretty quick to create boosters if a variant gets a little right. out of control. But it is a challenge, man. I mean, I, I don't think you're the only one that's feeling that way. You know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, this, this lid we've been holding on down tight for, for the, the last year. At some point in time, there's hell to pay for that, you know, yeah. whether it's emotionally whether it's, you know, just our physical being, whatever it is. I mean, it, it's, it's been an interesting, tough existence the last 12 months. I was telling Royce that, you know, and it, you know, this kind of trending more on the dark side, but I feel like, I feel like I've snapped. Like there's some part of me <laughs> that already snapped, right? And, and, and I just don't know it because I'm in a lockdown and I can't really, I can't really, I can't really process what snapped because I don't really know anymore because I've been locked down in this place forever, like in a you know, house, basically trapped in my house for so long. I'm just, I mean, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, my, my family is, is healthy and, and we're not, you know, I mean, sure. It's inconvenient to not go out and stuff, but it's been a year. And I feel like some part of me already snapped, but I probably won't know for sure what snapped until things are open. And I'm out in the, like looking around, like, you know, without a mask and yeah. that's going gonna to be a while the, without a mask <laughs> part's going to be a while. That, 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 if we're lucky, that's the end of this year. You yeah. Know, like, then we're not a mass thing. I don't know. You know, that, I think that I won't know what snap until that day it happens when oh, I can actually sure. do that. Yeah. You know, and then I can let myself go and go, oh my goodness. Like, okay, <laughs> now I know what snapped and I could go kind of crazy and let it all out. You know, like, <laughs> but I, you know, honestly, I, I have to say, like, uh, in terms of my psyche, and, and sorry, Royce, I'm kind of, you know, talking up the time here. Well, um, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah I, people I, are tired of listening to Royce anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to kind of put into words, but just like, I don't feel like I come out of this the same, you know? I don't know, like I've been through, it's like people have been in this lockdown or 
you know, they're seeing loved ones pass away. They're seeing tragedy hit. And yeah. I don't know if I'm it's, going to come out as the same. I don't know I don't yet. Think, I'm, it's kind of like, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Like you've been in shock, possible. right? Let's yeah. say you're in shock and you, did, you, you know, you, you know, you're going through shock, but you don't know how bad the damage is. It's kind of like what I'm feeling right now. I'm mm-hmm. still in the shock moment where I don't really yeah. know how bad this lockdown or this um, tragedy that hit our world is yeah. until, until it's over. Right. Until Royce, it's over and I can feel something again. How are you different, Royce, because of the pandemic? How am I different? Mm. What part of you has changed for good? What part of me has changed for good? Yeah. Um, I think I value, I think my time more for sure. I, I think I value the people that I'm around or my friends and family more. We've been sitting around basically for the past year. Mm-hmm. We haven't really been able to do too much. Uh, I think I need to take Ken out golfing so he gets out. <laughs> no, drinking, uh, drinking, yeah. not golfing, boy, drinking. Or boy drinking needs, or whatever. Boy <laughs> needs an outlet, man. Boy, boy sounds a little yeah. dark over there, man. Forget <laughs> golf, dude. We're going to go drinking. We're going to get drunk. What are you talking yeah, about, you man? Drink beers and play golf, dude. You don't have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, I think that's the biggest change for me is just that, you know, like I haven't seen, I haven't been to Hawaii in a year and a half, probably, I think. Yep. I haven't seen my, my dad. I haven't seen my, my sister or my nephew mm-hmm. or my brother-in-law. So, or my friends actually. So it's, it's, I think that's the biggest change for me is that you, I think you see what's been more like the most important thing as opposed to just, you know, grinding it out or whatever, at least from my perspective. What about you, Steve? Yeah, Steve. What's different. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's interesting because because of my line of work, a lot of my daily life really hasn't changed. Because we for for me because of our what I do for work, like it we we didn't really ever close. the The operations were altered a little, but we didn't really close. We went in, you know, I saw patients, and you know, just not in the volume we would normally see them. I was talking with one of my patients last night actually about this, and we we're talking about how there's going to be so many people that when this starts to all ease up, some of the emotions you're probably unconsciously just keeping tamped down, they're going to rear, it's going to rear its ugly head. It's going to pop up and it's going to hit you in ways like you were saying, it's just going to hit you in a weird way one day. You'd be like, should this be happening? Like, is this really happening? <laughs> Do I really want to take yeah. this mask off? You know, like, you know, reinserting into society. I think it's going to be interesting. You see the states like Alabama, Texas, and those guys, you know, they're planning sometime in April to take away their mask mandates and they're going to try to force the issue, which is essentially what they did last year, you know, sometime near the summer. So I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll really see, we'll wait and see. I mean, I mean, I'm not fully in your boat, Ken. I mean, there's obviously always going to be a wait and see approach because obviously last year taught you something. You just don't know. Yeah. No, you that know, actually you just don't know. It actually reminds me of one other thing that's changed about me is that once everything does open here or wherever, yep. I am going to be like out every single day. <laughs> Whether it's at the movie theater, at a restaurant, at a bar, whatever it oh. is, I'm going to be out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think so too. I think, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I look, I, you guys are both clearly more optimistic about it than I am. I mean, I'm, you know, maybe because I, you know, I have young kids at home. And so, you know, when I see stuff like, like my youngest is, he's, you know, turning three, he's not three yet, but like, he hasn't like, he hasn't really seen people. So when, like one day he saw the gardener come to our house and he, from the window, he's waving at him going, hi, hi, look, it's a human being. Yeah. You know, like social interaction. You know, <laughs> so like, he's waving Everyone at the gardener going, oh, it. look, it's a person. And it's just oh. like, 
what oh my goodness this is so sad right he thinks like the entire earth is composed of five people which is his family right and and yep. there's no one else yep. like when he sees another yep. person it's like being in a zombie movie man he hasn't seen anyone because since he was two years old like he was you know he didn't really you know like now he just think that this is the world and it's so sad right Oh, it is. Bad, it is. And hopefully, the process of uh, you know of life of some sort of normalcy kind of kicks in over time there for you guys. And you know, I, I don't know what you guys' restrictions are locally, but you know, we look at like preschools have been open here for a while, and so the kids, you know, the kids. I I go to pick up my son every day at preschool, and like they don't care that they're wearing a mask. They could give a rip. They're just wearing oh, it. It doesn't wow. bother them. They're playing. They're having a good time. Wow. So that's you know on what we were talking about before in the pre-show. You know, when you guys are kind of letting venting a little bit about how things are going in California, you know, like there is a lot of evidence out there that says, you know, with the younger kids, for whatever reason, the transmission isn't very high. You know, I mean, you, you would think, right? We see look at kids as like they're like the bacteria bombs, right? They're the people that are going to get us sick all the time, right? <laughs> but I don't know. You know, it's, 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 been, it's, it's been fascinating to see the differences per region. Of course, the infection rate where you are can influence, you know, how everything plays out. But, uh, you know, to your note about Hawaii, uh, my advice to you is come now. Wow. Don't really? Wait. Come now. Why? Why now? Why? Our, our numbers are low as heck here. As long as you guys are infected, come now and enjoy it. Be, yeah, be but are you guys crowded. really counting? Are you guys really counting? <laughs> it's, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. Right. It, you know, okay. and, 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 as far, and as far as, you know, numbers of vaccinations, they've administered 300,000 vaccinations in the state so far. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's significant. And, and I think that's... I think that's individual shots still. I don't think that's 300,000 people, but you know, on, you know, on this Island alone, you know, on this, on this Island, you're about a million people. And the state cup population now is like one point like six now or something or somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. So I got to look into that article. Cause you know, yeah. Like Royce is alluding to, of course, how, how, how much do we trust all these numbers that are thrown at us? But you know, I, I do I do remember reading about a week and a half ago that we're in the six digits as far as how many people have been fully vaccinated, myself included, um, you know, and, and those type of things. So it's come now before it gets crowded, you know. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Hey, how's uh, Hanuma Bay, man? I heard it's clearing up. So Hanuma Bay, the reef is apparently stunning again because there isn't as many tourists to trample on it. They closed it down for several months. And so we don't have the bad sunscreen in the water, all these kind of things. So now they reopened it, but they're, they're limiting the amount of people that can visit a day and they raise the price. To me, it's like, raise the price higher. Yeah, <laughs> don't give out food either or whatever. Like, yeah, ra- ra- they don't oh, do that. They stopped, they stopped doing that a little over a decade ago where you know, you don't, you're not allowed to feed the fish anymore. But yeah, uh, but yeah you know, it's, it, I mean, raise the price higher. The place is beautiful. Like, yeah, was, you know, that I, way you get fewer people going there. I went there in 2018, I think. And before that, I hadn't been back there since I was a kid, probably. Mm-hmm. It was so sad. Like, wow. it, like you, the water was murky. Like, the yep. coral was black. Yep. It was like yep. before you would walk in the water and you'd have like yep. tons of fish swimming around you, yep. swimming up to yep. you, like brushing your leg. When yep. I went back in 2018, Oh, I mean, it was a it was a dump. Like there right. was hardly any fish, nothing. Like it was so sad. But uh, yeah, I hope it returns to the way it was. I've been trying to look at some of the some of the news reports from Hanuma Bay in the last probably six months, and they, they actually have some video footage of what the reef looks like now. Yeah, it, it looks like it looked like a long time ago. <laughs> like wow. 
I, it, it, you, you know, it, you go to Hawaii, you should go there now while it's like the looks good. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, I mean, just you know, there's tourists in Waikiki, but it's not a whole bunch. You yeah. know, it, the numbers for the hotel came back. I want to say the vacancy in Waikiki, the occupancy rate was somewhere about thirty percent. So wow, you know, even so, we have an increase in people here, but we're, we're nowhere near what we usually hold. Yeah, it's kind of similar to Vegas, actually, from what what I hear. Vegas has been pretty empty. Uh, they're actually starting to look. Actually, a lot of the MGM properties, like uh, Mirage and stuff like that, uh, they actually just started open twenty four seven now. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, that gives me some hope. You know, hearing hearing this stuff. I mean, there, if there's any good that came out of it, is just that our environment probably got a lot better because of you know lesser pollution and. You guys saw that, right? You guys saw that in LA, didn't you? A little yeah. bit. I mean, the air in the beginning of yeah. the pandemic, like when people yeah. were driving and everything. Literally, everyone was at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's out now. Like people are driving nuts, like on the freeway yeah. and stuff. But traffic is back. Yes, traffic's no. back. back. Yeah, it's back. Like crazy. I think because yeah. they've been cooped up for so long. Yeah, there's so many bad accidents and car chases every night, and like, yeah, LA is healing. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really healing though? Hey, Not really. Every, every night I turn on the TV, there's a new car chase. So I, I'm assuming. Oh, normalcy. <laughs> oh, by the way, for the record, I think Royce and I both want to get out of California. I mean, we're both just so tired of it. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I think we were talking about that before uh, for the show. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, I think you listened to a little bit of that, but we were just griping about how things have changed so much in California now uh, that we almost don't recognize the state. You know the you know. Yeah. I think he and I both are relatively moderate people. We're not, you know, we're not right. conservative or liberals. Correct. But looking just kind of like the policies that are initiated in the state, you know, the high taxes, the, you know, the mm -hmm. soft on crime kind of, you know, it's just, it's so sad now, like being a resident here mm -hmm. and seeing how the world, how the communities have changed, um, right. you know, makes us want to move. <laughs> like we no, both want to move to Vegas. <laughs> I, have, I have other friends that feel the same way. You guys, you guys are definitely not alone, and that's not the last, that's not the first time I've heard that opinion. You it's know, I lived I lived there for a while, and there's a reason why I didn't stay. It's going to be tough for California to recover. I think I I don't even know how they begin to do it. I guess it's fallen so far now, like just in homeless and crime, and you know taxes and everything. Like right. I I don't know I don't know where they even start. Yeah, I mean the the homeless problem is clearly a big one. You know, then you got you know the the crime the. Like, you know, just a, a, a combination of different things, right? I mean, the, the infrastructure is falling apart, um, a lot of pollution. You know, it's like, you know, for a state that's supposed to be like advocating all these, you know, social policies and like, we're not doing a very good job of preaching, you know, doing what we preach. You know, we're, we're like one of the probably, you know, worst states in terms of how we handle our money and, you know, how we use our tax money, right? We're very inefficient. <laughs> we're very efficient with how we spend our tax money, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, we have, again, one of the high, probably the highest tax state in the whole country. Yet, you know, we have problems, with, you know, balancing our budget. <laughs> That's it's a so way, sad. Infrastructure is still falling apart, right? I mean, we have things falling apart here. You got a huge homeless problem. Yet we have the highest taxes, the biggest wealth gap and lots of crime. You know, like where you, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Like, where's that money going? Hey, did you just say Hawaii has high taxes? No, you know, we just get taxed on absolutely every single thing. <laughs> right. There is there is no exemption to oh. what can uh, what is taxed. You know, so in California, there's no taxes on services. Yeah, there's, that's right. There's taxes here. We get taxed on everything. Wow. Ours is a general excise tax, so it's on everything. 
Are you guys taxed on tip too? Where, like no, tips? no, tips is tip separate. Oh, okay, all right, that's good. <laughs> but like ship, but shipping gets taxed. Wow. Well, it can be. It, it, so I should, I, let me rephrase that. So it's really screwy. So if I ship, if I bring in equipment, it's beneficial for me to embed the shipping cost into the price of the unit because otherwise I got to pay the sales tax as the reseller on the shipping because the buyer is not responsible for it. The only way I can make the buyer responsible for it is to delete it as a line item and embed it into the price. It's a screw. It's a screwy thing that happens in our sales tax here. Yeah, that's, it drives me nuts. That's weird. Yeah, but it just happens. It's it's, it's just a weird thing. Well, your sales but tax, yeah, we get no like four percent, right? And like the but again, uh, no exemption. Everything is taxed. Doctor visits are taxed. Everything's taxed. Hospital bills taxed. Everything's taxed. Oh, really? Four percent? At four point seven one two in Honolulu. That's four point seven now. Because of the rail. Because of the rail that we'll never ride on. <laughs> like maybe when I'm eighty, I'll take a spin on that thing. You Man, know, in the rough. Don't, don't we have that same thing in California? We have a high speed rail thing that. Oh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you this, dude. The rail that they built, like out in Santa Monica and stuff, got built way faster than the rail in Hawaii ever ever will. <laughs> ever. <laughs> This Are you sure Hawaii. about that though? Because no, Ken, this is Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty nothing sure nothing happens fast here, man. I'm pretty nothing. sure they started the rail here later, and f- obviously they finished sooner. Like, yeah, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure because the rail. What about the bullet train to Vegas? Are we supposed to have a bullet train going to Vegas? Like they, they would, start that like yeah, 10 they years ago. Build one, but they want to build it from Victorville to Vegas. Oh, okay. Like, who's going to drive out to Victorville and ride? Who's going to Victorville go to Vegas? What? <laughs> It's all about sense. the hype. It's all about the hyperloop, man. If they can, if they can get the hyperloop going without killing people, that's going to be the thing. They're trying to build that to Dodger Stadium, right? I think right now. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're doing? And then in Vegas, they're trying to build it also as well. Uh, I think from the airport to like Strip or to like uh, the stadium and stuff. I think. But Musk, I think Elon Musk is doing all of that. He's busy. He was one. So, well, yeah. he was looking oh. into it. I think he kind of backed off of it a little bit. But there's a like I think when I read I was reading about it, there are about five or six different groups that are, are trying to develop the hyperloop system. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't worry, Ken. That that train to Vegas, that'll never be built in our lifetime, I think, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it you won't. know what's going to Vegas, Royce? What? You and I in September in oh, a rental car. Yeah. Hey, if you want to go out in September, <laughs> Vegas, all right. I you might tag along, dude. Yeah. You know, Hell yeah. Stay away from we, we can go go family for a little table. trip. Sit yeah. table, dude. <laughs> that sounds like a sounds like fun. Oh yes, we'll, we'll be able to sh- by then. We're gonna do a show from Vegas too. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a live it's gonna be a live betting show. So we're gonna be cussing as we're recording because <laughs> right. we're gonna be betting and losing and winning all at the same time. Just yeah. don't let him Sounds bring like a lot of fun. Oh uh, well, like hey fun. man, Ken, this was, this was great having you on the show. Appreciate you having you again. Oh, Hopefully, you're willing to come back and expose <laughs> expose your. Uh, your your knowledge and share your knowledge and your opinions and hopefully we can help you with that dark cloud a little bit you know stuff like that yeah no it's i'd love being on the show man you guys are great um you know just anytime you want me back uh just let me know we just need you to uh drive up the price of uh, ethereum and the whole crypto market again so three you know what three x man that's all i can do this time right (laughs) i can't do four x i can't do the quint you know quadruple you know that that steve was talking about 
We'll settle for three X. That's fine. Three X. Yeah, I'm is okay all with that. Do, right? We're just we're just going for the Kenya effect. You know, this is what we're doing. We're just going to have you on every few months. The, the next time I'm on, it'll be one of three X's. All right, and then and then we can talk about that a little bit. All right, we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> or i might just never be on the show again yeah. <laughs> whichever comes first but seriously if you decide to come to hawaii let me know man i'll hook up with you oh great that's hey thanks man i, I might pick you up on an offer because i might go there probably end of the year we'll yeah, see. You know, yeah you're definitely gonna be out there man you i definitely will be out there i i got i have a villa all set up there i just can't go there because you know the pandemic but which uh, uh, where are you at on oahu or maui uh oahu i have a. Uh, it's near that Turtle Bay area, oh, you're, like you're in North Shore, like Resort, Bay, I think, right? Yeah, it's near the oh, Turtle Bay have, Resort. You have those villas over there. Yeah, I got one of those villas reserved. So it was supposed to be a family yearly family trip, but uh, you know, got cut short by the pandemic, so we didn't do it. Oh, you know what? You know what? You on that note of come now, the oh. hotel is closed. So, Whoa! Wow. So right now, if you go and stay in the villa, there ain't nobody there. Wow, that's that's tempting. <laughs> that's so, really tempting. So, and you and you're gonna be isolated because you're out in the North Shore. You know, the golf course is open. They're taking care of the golf courses. Palmer's open there. And th that practice facility they set up there, the new practice facility, is gorgeous. Wow. I'm going to have to look at that. closed, though? Wow. They're close to, like, they're going to be close to, like, uh, July. Interesting. Wow. But the parking lot, they, they opened up the parking lots because they're trying to bribe people to allow them to develop more on the shoreline, right? Which everyone's doing this to them, right? Yeah. But, you know, they're just trying to play nice. But, but the villas, people are still staying in villas. Because those are privately owned. Yeah, they're privately so, owned, right? Right. So we there's a bunch of people that own them here that are trying to rent them to Kamainas, locals uh, like us, for some pretty good rates. So we were actually looking at probably renting one of those out because those things are beautiful. Yeah, they're nice. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Really nice. Wow. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to maybe look into that because uh, yeah, it would be nice rethink, to go. Rethink your plans, man. No one's here. Yeah. Like, seriously. Wait till after spring break. Because there are going to be hmm. idiots that come during spring break and just be dumb. <laughs> Wait till after that and come. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Thanks for the tip. All right, Royce. Howdy. Let's wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope we kept you awake. Uh, and uh, if you're sitting on a toilet right now, you might want to get up. You know, you want no anal fissures. Uh, <laughs> with that, we'll have a good night, guys. And we're signing off. See you yeah. later. See you guys next week. See ya.